and trust me, there are some amazing women doing incredible things. And I think the more of us who know about that, whether through corporate or startup, the better. Some incredible inventions come out of the minds of women. Welcome to the Unpolished MBA podcast. On this podcast, we have conversations with tech startup founders and entrepreneurs and traditional corporate MBAs. Many say that startups equal the unpolished MBA because those without the formal business education are scrappy and do many things untraditionally to achieve business success. But anyone who has built a business from an idea can attest to the fact that the experience is another level MBA and there's nothing quite like it. The candid conversation shared here is helpful to both sides of the fence. One is not better than the other, just different. Let's jump in. Hi, I'm your host, Monique Mills, and in my work, I get to have great conversations with a lot of smart and interesting people. In this episode, I share a conversation I had with Erica Jefferson, a chemical engineer turned entrepreneur. Somehow she fell into entrepreneurship and has created a thriving business that serves women in science and engineering. Before we get started, I have to forewarn you. Both Erica and I are engineers by degree and spent the majority of our careers in highly technical engineering roles. So we take time to poke fun at the engineering arrogance. Maybe some of you can identify with it and we're sure we are guilty of getting under the skin of those who are non-technical. Listen in as we peel back the layers. I am a accidental entrepreneur. I am accidental entrepreneur. entrepreneur. I am an accidental entrepreneur who had no, you know, dreams of becoming an entrepreneur. My goal was to retire after many, many years someplace and uh, rely on my pension and 401k to take good care of me. And life just took another path. So here I am with this startup and nonprofit thriving, and I'm just trying to hold on to the tail. I love it. That's a very common story. So MBA or no MBA? MBA. Did that MBA help you have the courage to kind of just go off into entrepreneurship because you kind of knew a little bit more about business? I think so. So I got my MBA, I was, I was tricked in getting an MBA, Detroit. even though I had, I was tricked, <laughs> even though I had considered it, I had kind of moved past it and was like, you know, maybe I don't need it. And my boss at the time said, you know, you're doing all these mathematical models and doing all these things, but I know you don't know, like the real background behind it. You're just really putting data into things. So by education, I am a chemical engineer and I have spent 20 plus years in oil and gas and other industries working as an engineer early on, all the way up to business and uh, sales and business development and uh, supply chain. So Okay. Just about everything in a company, I probably have touched it, uh, worked with it, or uh, sideways got some involvement with it. (music) 
So as you can see, Erica fell not only into entrepreneurship, but also into getting her MBA. Her manager sponsored her without realizing he would change the trajectory of her life and she would in turn enhance lives for thousands of other women in science and engineering. So in this next part, I ask her to explain more about that story. Keep listening to hear how it all started. Your, your manager was kind of like, hey, have you thought about this? Yes, he was a chemical engineer as well. And, he, and I, what I was doing for him was running these mathematical models um, to determine whether uh, a deal, a business opportunity was a go or no go and, and taking into consideration all the financial information to determine pricing and contract duration and things. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was putting, you know, someone had a cheat sheet and I was putting this information out. I, you know, I've worked in business, so it wasn't like, I don't know what this is, but mm-hmm. I didn't have a, a full <laughs> understanding of all the work that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, business is the, I mean, uh, finance is the language of business. And so without, you know, ha- having a business, you know, education, I don't know how you know, engineers transition into leadership. And he was right, because I don't know how many of us who are engineers actually have financial training. I never took a finance class. The closest I got was Mm -hmm. engineering economics. I'm like, I don't even know if that's a real thing. Like it is a real thing (laughs) engineering economics that you know have to evaluate your projects. But Mm -hmm. I mean, that is such a specific function. That's not necessarily how the business runs. And so he said, yeah, you should take this class. Basically, uh, finance for dummies. I think the actual title <laughs> is called financial management for non-financial managers. And I was like, sure. Took the class. It was great. It was at our, our combined, our joint alma mater. Mm-hmm. And they lured you in with great speakers and delicious food for six weeks. I'm like, this is awesome. I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Where do I sign up? I you know, convince the vice president to let me go and, and not only let me go, but pay for the, the full ride mm-hmm. and, you know, got in and it was a good program. No, no knock on it. But, you know, after two weeks, there went the gourmet dinners and we were replaced with pizza. I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> what's happening here? So, <laughs> this is not what I was promised. Mm-hmm. But it was a wonderful program. Uh, full, and surprisingly, I thought there would have been more engineers, uh, considering that school is very known for engineering. Um, but there was a good mix of folks from you know various parts of business and various types of business. And I think it was the exposure. So I can't say you know what particular course or concept that I learned that you know caused me to oh sure I could be an entrepreneur. But I I honestly having no dreams or desire to be on, become an entrepreneur and not having any finance training, I can't see how I would have, you know, had the confidence to step out and do this if I had not gotten my MBA. What else do you think you've gotten from it that you utilize today? I think sometimes as, as technical folks, we can be very myopic on yes. our area of expertise, right? So we make widgets, so we know everything there is to know about widgets, but we may not know about our competitors. We may not know about the industry. You may not know about the social economic issues that affect people's desire and ability to buy widgets, to use widgets. 
And so, you know, that's what business does, right? So you've got, you know, business development, uh, value propositions and marketing and promotion and logistics and all those things that as you move up the ranks and become a leader, obviously, you have to be aware of those and understand how those impact your profitability. But as a, you know, a solitary engineer, you wouldn't know all that stuff. You may see those people in the hallway, but you actually don't, <laughs> That's right. you don't know what they do. You don't know what impact what they do has on the business, right? Mm-hmm. If you're if you're on a big project, you may be in a meeting with them and you're like, why are we still talking about that? I want to talk about making widgets mm-hmm. because that's that's your area, right? That's your lane. So your focus is on what you know and what you do. And so I think going to business school for engineers. So I think there's two different reasons an engineer may go to business school. One is to become more well-rounded, certainly if you're interested in going up the leadership track. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able not necessarily to understand what everybody else does, but see how it ties into the business, right? Mm -hmm. Businesses are comprised of various verticals, right? And they in good businesses should be working to uh, working for the good of the company, right? So you should have one vision that's you know, causing more problems than they're generating solutions, but mm-hmm. that sometimes is the case. And I think going to business school as an engineer, that I'm not working in those departments, but I get it. I know why they exist. I know why they're critical. I know why I need to work closely with them as a technical person. Yeah, and it totally changes your respect of those other it departments. Does. Mm-hmm. It does. And I worked in sales, so I knew the other side of the camp. The mm-hmm. coin. I knew coming from manufacturing when the salespeople were like, we got to get this out today. And I'm like, the line is down. We can't get it out today. And they're like, no, you got to get it down. I was like, no, we cannot get it today. So I think that kind of added uh, to that. But I think the second thing, if any engineer, and I encourage folks who have the temerity and the, the idea to consider uh, entrepreneurship, maybe the loose screws in your head to, to do this work, is the MBA, number one, like I said, I think it gives you the confidence if you haven't had you know, financial education prior to that. It gives you just the respect for business, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. like, I know that I got to get capital and I know I've got to build relationships with suppliers and and clients and whatnot. I think it just opens your eyes because as engineers, I cannot speak to scientists um, as much as uh, my work in engineering. Um, We tend to think that the world revolves around what we're doing and what we're doing is the most important, right? Mm -hmm. But I can promise you, it doesn't matter if you cure cancer, if you don't have a laboratory to test and prove that it actually works, you'll never sell it. If you don't have a manufacturing facility to make it and package it, you'll never sell it. If you don't have a sales and marketing team to convince doctors and hospitals that it's going to work, you'll never sell it. So I -hmm. think as engineers, scientists may not be this way, but as engineers, sometimes we're like, we're the most critical part Mm -hmm. of this whole thing. (laughs) Right. right. We're, we're everyone else's overhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are yep. overhead. That's absolutely correct. And if we ever find a way to automate some of these things, we will be able to, <laughs> to get rid of oh some of the Oh my gosh, the arrogance of us, right? Like it's so yes. crazy. And the thing is we, in those moments, we don't know any better. And we really do no. believe that. Oh we my really gosh. We really do believe that. We really do believe that. Now, so what I will say as an engineer, you will be humbled. Engineer mm-hmm. or a technical person, you'll be humbled trying to be an entrepreneur. 
yeah. may not happen right away because you're probably, look what I built. I, this is so great. But the first time you start working on something to, you know, move to the next phase of sales and marketing mm -hmm. and I can do it. I can do the marketing. I, you know, I'll, I'll write, the, I'll do it. I'll write the copy. I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And you show it to somebody and they were like, this looks like hot garbage. I don't, who did this? <laughs> did your dog do this? And you're like, no, I, right. I, I did it. I'm mm -hmm. an engineer. So I extrapolated it that I know how to do other things just as well. And we yep. do not. Yep. Um, I was doing early on most of our marketing. And when I finally said, you know, I don't have the time to do this. I'm going to turn it over, you know, to somebody who does this full time. And then I looked at what she did and what I did. And I was like, oh, Okay, well, that's the I, difference, right? So yeah, tell I guess people what it is that you do now as far as your entrepreneurial um, journey. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. So I started uh, accidentally an organization <laughs> for Black women scientists, engineers, and technologists called BYS, Black Women in Science and Engineering. And we launched uh, almost six years ago in Houston with a handful of women, and now we have uh, over 1,500 and six chapters around the country Incredible. and are thriving, thriving. Incredible. So, mm -hmm. you know, especially in this environment when folks are, oh, we don't, we can't find technical talent. We, we just don't know where to look. And so now, you know, we take that excuse away. Like, you don't, you don't know where to look. Well, I mean, I got 15,000. I don't know <laughs> how many you need, but <laughs> it's less than 15,000. I probably got you. <laughs> right, right. So we work with some wonderful corporate partners now who are serious about, you know, moving the needle. They realize that their efforts internally have not been enough to get them where they need to be. The world is becoming more diverse and more global, not less. That's so right. it won't be a matter of whether diversity is the right thing to do. It's like there are only diverse people left to hire to do this work, especially technical work, right? That's why you see so much offshoring, right? We didn't have enough technical talent over here. So we went to these countries, you know, to get people to do this work. So as that happens more and more, you, you just can't use the same, you know, tricks and tips to get, you know, diverse folks as you did for non-diverse folks. It just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So I figure we are positioned very well uh, moving forward in the next five, 10, 15 years, forever, who knows, yeah. um, to be able to not just you know, we don't just meet and talk. We want to expose our members to emerging technologies. Those of us who got our engineering degrees years ago, we may not be up on artificial intelligence. We may not be knowledgeable about, you know, blockchain and quantum mechanics and all that because we didn't take it in school. We haven't worked with it. So I want to make sure, you know, that this demographic is exposed to things that can further enhance their careers, or maybe they decide, you know what, I've got enough knowledge. I'm going to go out on my own and make money off of this, which I, you know, I wholeheartedly support. It's difficult. I don't uh, encourage people to, to go into it without understanding the challenges of it. Uh, you kind of got to be a little bit crazy. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about that this week. You got to be a little bit crazy. Little, not too much. Not, not too, too much, much. But not you need to be a little bit. Mm -hmm. A little bit crazy. Like if people say, you know what, you're different. If you mm -hmm. never heard that in your life, you're it's a different. good thing. <laughs> yeah, you probably, you know, they may be, you know, prepping you for future opportunities as an entrepreneur because you, you got to have that. You got to, when everything says no, you got to say, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do it anyway. I believe it's going to work. Um, you need that. You need that. So, so um, one of the things uh, we were talking about a little bit earlier was like you wanted to 
you know, people to know how STEM people to know how they can turn their expertise into revenue, right? Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. a real revenue. So Mm -hmm. what do do you mean by that? I try not to use STEM because I I, I found out that STEM was really created by the education industry. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when people say STEM, you have folks who are in marketing, like I work in STEM and I'm like, okay, no, you, don't. you yeah. work in a business that hires STEM people. You are actually not a STEM person yourself. So mm-hmm. I said to eliminate that, I just call it out, you know, then you can't argue with me. And I'll, are you an engineer? Oh, well, no, I'm not. Okay. Well, then, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I know that part may have offended some people who fall into that category of non-STEM by degree, and that's okay. Just know that it's not intended to hurt feelings, but engineers, scientists, those with PhDs, and other very difficult majors have had it hard. And I mean really tough years of schooling and some moments of basically academic torture from time to time. So it's hard to share that distinction with others who may not have put in the same blood, sweat, and tears. There's a respect that we have for each other getting through all of the calc classes, Diffie-Q, late night labs, and countless all-nighters. And for some of us, quite honestly, tears. Trying to find the bug in the code or why the design you created doesn't work as it should. It's been plenty of times we've been like, I'm just not going to make it. So after going through experiences like that, I hope you can have more empathy for both the engineer's arrogance and ignorance because there are both. Keep listening as Erica talks more about how it shows up in the workplace and in entrepreneurship and can cause failure and rejection when building a company. There are so many of us, and and this is, I think, the distinction between diverse folks and non-diverse folks. There's so many of us who are doing incredible things as entrepreneurs, even though we may not even know that term or know what that is. We're doing incredible. Oh, I came up with this solution to do this. And a company is like, great, great. Perfect. Yeah, they scoop it up. You know what? Yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to send a memo around telling how great you are. Meanwhile, we're making $5 million a mm-hmm. year off your invention and you're mm-hmm. not getting any of it. Yeah. So there's, there's people out there who, who are really innovating. Um, you know, sometimes it's, you know, uh, backdoor innovation, right? You mm-hmm. solved, maybe it wasn't a sexy problem, right? But it sure did make things better once you implement it. And, you know, we're not obviously getting any financial, you know, benefit from having done that. So I say, stop, you get something, or maybe you invent, okay, that's one invention. I have another idea to do something. I'll stop before you do a second, a millisecond of work at your company write it down don't tell anybody content and information we have blog posts example being is it cold or allergies we intend to be a content for our company we're also on amazon uh, you can find us there you can read the reviews you can see what people are saying there's an actual video that one of our customers posted on how she uses the nosebot with her child so you can see it in use by an actual customer so i would like to wrap this up by asking you what's next for you? Are you still going to continue to 
be a pediatric ENT and run your business, or at some point you're going to decide one or the other? That's a great question. And I would say that I want to continue to add value to the organizations that I'm in with. I love taking care of patients. That ability to help a family through their healthcare journey is, is very powerful. I recognize that if I am successful both in, in either workplace that I will have to choose how far I step away from the bedside. The doctor knows best company will be a brand. Mm-hmm. The, the brand will reflect our focus on health and wellness education and smarter differentiated solutions. I fully intend to be involved in that as long as I can in whatever capacity I add value. If we grow and scale, I recognize that my title will likely change and that is good because that means the company is succeeding. Where I add value and how I add value, I don't know. I'm counting on people like you, Monique, to help me make those decisions. Uh, Again, I'm very thankful to the ATDC for growing me up uh, along (laughs) with my partner and the GRA and GCMI and so many different parts of the fabric of the Atlanta startup community. I'm indebted to Emory University, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, all of those folks together have pushed me up and forward or pushed me out of the nest um, to, as as other people describe it, as you're an entrepreneur, you're building the plane while you're flying it. And so right. you, you specifically, as well as Jane and Shane and Adam have, have helped me keep the, the, I don't know if the plane is flying straight, but we're not heading towards the ground at the moment, <laughs> which is really nice. Well, it's a pleasure to have played a small part in your success. And I want to thank you again for joining us on Unpolished MBA. All right. Thank you, Monique. It was great. Well, that's it. So what did you think? After this interview, I couldn't help but think about his statements on self-awareness. For such an accomplished person, I'm always fascinated by his humbleness, but also by his proactive behaviors to be a positive contributor and leader to the people around him. When he spoke about having stacks of papers and books on his nightstand, I silently laughed at myself because I can so identify with that. Do any of you also have five different books you're reading at once and a stack of papers in your space? That makes complete sense to you, but perhaps looks disorganized to others? If so, we're all kindred spirits. And Dr. Gowdy, soon to be known as a worldwide brand as Dr. Knows Best, is such a great example of what can be accomplished when you love to learn then love what you do and then you use it to make an impact on the world in the ways that you see fit. That's such a fulfilling journey. The Unpolished MBA conversation continues and you can be a part of it by going to unpolishedmba.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.